and his promises. You know, there's a curious story in the national news. Many of you know that uh, Thomas Edison invented the light bulb. He was born in uh, Milan, Ohio, a little town. And in that little town, they have this Edison Museum, Thomas Edison Museum. That museum operates according to, uh, you know, charging a little bit for everybody comes through. Lately, business has been rather slow. And they've not been able to pay their utility bill. And so they are in the ironic situation of the power company has come this close to shutting off all the electric lights in the Thomas Edison Museum. Now, since that story has aired, thousands of dollars have poured in across the country so that they can now pay their light bulb. But what would be the irony of the inventor of the light bulb not being able to have his stuff shown because the light bulbs didn't work? I'm telling you, if that can happen to Thomas Edison, it can happen to any of us. That what starts out great gets bogged down. And prayer helps us understand, not only do we have a continual need, but there is a bigger picture. One of my favorite prayers in all of the Bible is in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 17, where Elisha and his servant come out of the tent one morning, actually his servant goes out first, and sees themselves surrounded by their enemies, their physical enemies, the armies of, of their enemies. And Elisha's servant comes back in, tells Elisha, he's absolutely panicked, and Elisha just grins, because Elisha sees differently than his servant sees. And Elisha wants his servant to see as he sees. He wants him to see the whole picture, because right now he's just seeing the bad half. And so he prays in 17, O Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. That refers to the spiritual vision that that servant had that day to see Every one of his enemies was surrounded by the hosts of the Lord. And the battle was won that day. If only we could pray that God would let us see as he sees. If only God would give us that perspective. Why do we just keep getting so narrow about things and our own little deal? You know, yesterday morning I was in Cleveland, Ohio, and waiting for an early flight out to Orlando, kind of tense. I'm always tense on Saturday because it's sermon day and I, you know, I need to get back and so on and so forth. So, so here I am and, and the sign comes up, flight delayed, it'll be two hours, you know, and I'm, I'm going through the whiny thing, oh, my plane didn't go in, you know. And, you know, there was this plane coming in from Las Vegas and it was going to be late and I'm just whining, oh, God, you know, you didn't. And I noticed that soon after my fit, I noticed that the... Uh, I just had it to myself, but it was still a fit. The, the news media starts arriving, the, the, the local television uh, stations, and they, they're interviewing people. And they're saying, what have you heard about this flight from, you know, Las Vegas, you know? And well, finally, the story comes out that this flight left from Las Vegas, ran into significant uh, uh, air pressure problems, and the, the thing where the, you know, the, 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 they lose uh, compression and the 
things are dropped down, you know, and you do this, and there's a number of people that gotten sick, and they had to make an, an emergency landing in Denver to switch planes. And, and all of a sudden, I thought, how self-centered and silly was I to worry about two hours of time you know, here are people, literally, they're getting sick, they're needing to go to the hospital, they're in danger of their lives. How grateful should I be that God would save their lives instead of worry about my two-hour time block? You see the bigger picture. And then I thought about it a little longer. And I thought, what if the problems of that plane had lasted for two hours longer? or had delayed for two hours longer, and that plane had landed in Cleveland, guess who'd be on that plane? You see, the more you concentrate on what God is doing all around you, the more you understand what He's doing for you. Even though the moment is not moving right now in your life, it's not a matter of His exit, it's a matter of His timing. And so we must look at what a miracle really is. Many people have a mistaken idea of a miracle. They think that God somehow abrogates His laws and just spontaneously says, well, I think I'll do this, see. You know, and, and, and if we can talk ourselves blue in the face, maybe He'll come do this for us right now. But if you look at the larger picture, a miracle is simply God putting into His plan his unfolding timing according to his timing instead of yours. As a matter of fact, many times you have had a miracle in your life, or many of you have had a miracle in your life you didn't even ask for. You just recognized it. You didn't know you needed it. And boom, there it was. It predicts that. God says that, by the way, in Isaiah chapter 65, verse 24, when he says, And it will also come to pass that before they call, I will answer. And while they are yet still speaking, I will hear. Now, that's a wonderful thing when God does in a snapshot of time, in a pinpoint of time, something where he very obviously comes and intervenes in our lives. But here's what I want you to understand. That intervention is not strange. That intervention is simply evidence of what he's been doing all along. It's an outworking of what he's been doing all along. C.S. Lewis says this. I like this. He says, what we understand to be a miracle is simply God writing in local and small letters so that we can read them, what he has written in general and letters too large for many of us to read. He says that when Jesus did miracles, it was only what he had always seen God do. As a matter of fact, when Jesus said, I can do nothing but what I see the Father do, that's not a metaphor. That's literal. Think of the miracles of Jesus. Think of the wedding in Cana of Galilee where Jesus turned the water into wine. And everybody says, wow, you know, that is, that's such a miracle. That's just so unmistakable. But God had been doing that for thousands of years. What happens when the water enters the root system of the grapevine and travels up and finally fills the grape and becomes that juice and with time that juice ferments and becomes wine. God turns water into wine all the time. 
It's just that when we see it in a miracle, it's so evident that God is acting in a miraculous way. But Jesus was just doing what he saw the Father do just in a shorter period of time, see? What happened when Jesus healed people? People say, what a miracle. What a miracle that, that, that Jesus would heal diseases. I wish I could get healed. I wish sometime God would visit me with a miraculous healing. Do you understand that the only reason you're sitting here today is because God has healed you thousands of times already? Every one of you has a disease in his body and her body right now. Why are you not dead? Because God has healed you. All of us would die of a cold if God did not heal us. All of us would die of the flu if God did not heal us. God has healed you every day of your life. That's the reason you're here right now. And so when somebody says to you, have you ever been healed? You ought to answer, yeah, a lot, often. You see, Jesus just did what he saw his father doing, even to the point of cursing the fig tree. What he did was he visited that tree with the death that the Father eventually has for all of us physically. What he did was simply remove the protection, remove the protective system, and the fig tree died. And that eventually, in God's timing, will, 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 will be what happens in all of our lives. See, every miracle of Jesus, people say, oh, man, when he, when he stilled that storm on the Sea of Galilee, when Jesus just got, got up and said, be calm, and the, and the sea became calm, what a miracle that was. What do you think happened last night? What do you think happens every time there's a storm out here? Doesn't God comment? Why do we miss the miraculous? Because we get this little bitty mentality, and we think that only when we see it in a short period of time, only when we see it in, in, a, in, a, in a snapshot of history is it a miracle. Well, that's how we define miracle, but a miracle is an outworking and supposedly a vision of what God has been doing for years and His constant goodness in the, in the details of our lives. Many of you know how the story of my wife and I got together. I, I mean, by the time I met Becky, I was 24, 25 years, I forget how old I was, but I was ready to settle. You know what I mean? I was so lonely. I was so lonely that I was saying this to myself. Look, I can make a good marriage with anybody. You know? I, I can. I love the Lord. I know God will take care of me. I'll just find a Christian. I'll settle. You know? I'm lonely. And many times I thought I'd be in love, you know. And, but the longer it lasts, the more I'd realize it was just my own loneliness, my own hope, you know. And finally, I started going this this wonderful girl, man, I just, boom, fell flat on my face in love with her. And by the time I asked her to marry me, I just believed it was a miracle. It was an absolute God had finally, in that instant of time, sent the one for me. See, what I didn't know was all of that time, I was trying to come to God's conclusion on this girl, Becky knew from the first time she saw me we were going to be married. I mean, the first time I came down, 
Bradley United Methodist Church in my clerical robes, robes flying. <laughs> God just said, there's your husband. Now, she never breathed the word of that to me. She let me discover that on my own. And I thought it was big, sudden news. She'd known it for months. But the broader picture was she had prayed every day from the time she was a little girl this prayer. Oh God, protect my husband wherever he is, and when I see him, let me know that's him. You see, what I thought was a miracle was a story woven together for years and years and years. It was God's goodness in every detail of my life. And I wonder now, as I look back before I became a believer, how God, you know, pulled me out of scrapes. I ought to be dead five times. And wonder how God protected me. And I know there was some little girl who didn't even know who I was praying for me. You see? You see, these little snapshots we think are miracles, what we understand, what we must understand is God works in the details. Many of you believe that God has somehow become distant from you. Nothing could be further from the truth. As a matter of fact, God has your life much better planned out than you do. He, he does. Look, uh, look with me just for a moment at Psalm chapter 31, verse 19. Look at what that says. This is David realizing that God has had a hold of his life, all his life. How great is thy goodness, which thou hast stored up for those who fear thee. Now, if you're in that category, I want to tell you that all the days of your life are stored up in God. And look at the next part of that phrase. Which thou hast wrought, that's a, that's a biblical word for worked, which thou hast worked for those who take refuge in thee. In other words, God has your days stored up, and he's meeting them out. He's working them every day. God is delivering you all of your life. It says this in Isaiah 46, verses 3 and 4. This is God talking to you. Listen to this. You who have been born by me from birth and have been carried from the womb, even to your old age I shall be the same, and even to your graying years, here I am, I shall bear you. I have done it, and I shall carry you. I shall bear you, and I shall deliver you. Does that sound like he's let go? Not for a moment he hasn't let go. You see, God works in the details. He doesn't just work. The, many people believe in this pagan notion of fate. Well, it's fate. It's destiny. Meanwhile, I'm left to flounder around. My life will come out how it's supposed to come out, but, but, but I'm, I'm left to flounder around and work out the details myself. Shakespeare and Hamlet wrote this. There's a divinity that shapes our ends. Rough hew them how we will. That's that doctrine of fate or destiny. That's not the biblical doctrine. The biblical doctrine says this. A man makes his plans, but God orders his steps. You know what that says? God's in the details. 
God's in all the details. The only reason we miss him sometimes is because he's singing so softly because he wants us to hear our own voice. I, I, I had a great uh, experience this week. We went to uh, uh, Master's Academy and they had a, 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 a pastor's appreciation dealie. And, uh, and so they invited, this was so neat, this little third grade class. You know, they have their students come perform. The little third grade class recited Psalm 139 and then sung it. Cute. I mean, drag your, your heart around on the floor cute. You know, just, oh, you're so, you know, just... You know, search me and try me out. And, 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 the, and the director, who I think comes here to church, had heard, had heard, heard uh, Vernon sing uh, uh, that in church one time. So she said, would you come over and sing with the third graders? You know? Now, I love to hear Vernon sing. I love, I love everything about Vernon. He's my best friend. And I, and I just want, when he, when he walks in the room, I want him to shine because he's such a great guy. But I love to hear him sing. So here he is beside this little third grade class and they're singing Psalm 139 and he's singing Psalm 139 with him and I'm standing there thinking sing out Vernon come on come on let me hear that voice I love that voice you know that velvet throat come on <laughs> but he was singing just to support their singing because what was important for him was not that he be heard but that they praise God according to the scriptures I want to tell you, when the director calls our Savior to sing alongside of us, that's exactly the dynamic. He comes along beside us so that he can support us as we live out what has been written for us in the God's book. And that's why we miss him so many times, because we're, we're concentrating on our own effort. Or we want him to talk louder. No. He wants you to know he's there softly in every detail. And when you pray with his agenda on your mind, you will see that. I went to see my dad this week. I'm trying to get up there as often as I can because he's starting to go fast. And I appreciate you praying for him. And he's down to just being able to answer in one or two word uh, phrases, you know. And about the only word he can say anymore is right. You know, when you say something that he, that he agrees with, he says, it's right, right, you know. And so for two days, I sat in front of that man. And I, and I tried to fashion an entire conversation according to his perspective so that I could see his response. And I would say, Dad, remember when this happened? All right, right, he'd say. And he'd grin, you know. And I knew him well enough to go over all of the old memories so that, so that the conversation was a pleasure to him and so that what I was saying would complete his pleasure. Let me ask you how you pray to God. Do you pray from your perspective or from his? You know what a joy it was to see my dad smile, to know that I had in the words of 1 John 5, talk to him according to how he could hear me. I had, I had said what his words were, and he had responded. What a blessing that was. You know, if you want to pray that way, you read this about God's life, you listen to the stories, 
And you will be able to pray according to God's language, and then you'll be able to see His signals to you. Because God does that to you every day. If you could just see it, He's standing there going, right, right, you know? Pray for a miracle. Pray for a sign. Pray that God would reveal to you what He has been doing in all of your life and all of everybody else's life. And as you do that, you'll be able to see He's always been there. When you thought He was missing, pray with me. God, thank You for prayer that enables us to see spiritually. And we pray that this morning. I pray Elisha's prayer. Oh God, let your servants see. Open our eyes so that we can see from your perspective. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
You know, we have a prayer team that meets after the service. And some of you feel so isolated and so alone. Some of you don't have the faith right now to be able to believe what was just sung. You know what? It's okay. It's okay. You just need some other Christian to stand with you and maybe believe for you and then with you. And then maybe God will give you that faith that you can do that for somebody else. Some of you just need to get reconnected. And even if you can't come this morning, I want to remind you, we have Wednesday evenings here. We would love to stand with you and believe with you so that you can see God in every detail of your life because he's there. Would you please stand for the benediction? Now may the saving grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit go with us from this place and in this week of His passion show us that He has been with us all the weeks of our past and will be with us all the weeks of our future. Amen.